crude laboratory in the basement of his home. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the show. Today, we have a dynamic episode for you. We're going to talk about all about uh, inbound leads, how we handle them, what they look like, and we are doing it with one of the best companies in the entire industry when it comes to delivering warm call transfers, when it comes to delivering commercial insurance leads to agencies that they can quote, bind an issue, hopefully in one call. That's the app app, that's the aspirational goal, that one call close. That's what we track here at Rogue. I've talked about that in the past. We are aspirationally tracking to a maximum number of one call closes. And Tivly helps us get there. We're talking to Mark McClure and Kim Reed from Tivly. You guys are gonna love this conversation. Amazing conversation. Um Tivly is a big partner of ours. And uh, just just think uh, that it's almost a necessity for, for, for creating that base layer of, of business that's going to help you grow. Uh, we talk all about uh, inbound leads, inbound calls, all that kind of stuff. Uh, tremendous, tremendous episode. You are going to love uh, what you're about to hear. Before we get there, I just want to just kind of remind you guys of a few things. First and foremost, I love you for listening to this podcast. Um, it's 2023. We're going to be getting after it. We're going to be moving um, in February. So this is going to be coming out in January. In February, we're going to be moving to a two-episode-a-week format. One of those episodes early in the week is going to be short format, um, five to seven minutes, quick hitting on kind of ideas that are relevant to our industry, um, concepts, tactics, insights, um, resources, all that kind of stuff. Quick hitters, just bam, bam, bam. And then obviously we're gonna continue to do uh, the longer form interviews with thought leaders, movers, shakers in the industry and outside the industry. Um, so make sure if you are not, uh, that you are subscribed to this podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can get at it. Uh, love you for listening. Love you for being part of this community. Uh, if you want an even deeper dive, go to findingpeak.com. Finding peak is where I am sharing all my, my, what I do, what I learn, what I think about when it comes to peak performance and you know, peak performance is, is yes, the, the, how we're doing our work, but it's also how we're, uh, creating opportunities for sex, success, not for sex, although sex is fun, um, uh, opportunities for success in uh, our health, in our mentality, in our psychology, in our relationships, all the different things that we need to be thinking about to put ourselves in a position to capitalize on what comes down the pipe on those opportunities created by the muse. So if you if you want some of that, if you if you want to get those emails, um, you know you're getting. Uh, articles, you're getting videos, and 90 plus percent of the content is free. So if you just go to findingpeak.com, there is a paid version where we do some, we answer kind of paid subscriber questions, we do some deep dives into some of the highly tactical stuff that we're doing at Rogue, kind of breaking down the Rogue way, the the lessons that we've learned. Guys, I've made just about every mistake that exists in building an insurance agency uh, just in the short, like, you know, three years that I've been doing this. And uh, we share what we've kind of learned, how we've navigated those obstacles, and uh, and where we're going and how we're positioning ourselves. And if you want those insights, obviously, uh, I think it's like seven bucks a month. So it's not like you're breaking the bank. But um, you don't have to be a paid subscriber. So go to FindingPeak.com. Uh, and also, you know, last thing I'll say, it's 2023. If you're trying to maximize your income, if you're trying to maximize the income that you get from your agency, if you're struggling with carrier appointments, if you're struggling with making commitments but you want to grow, if you're looking for access to markets, if you're looking for tools, if you're just looking for a community of insurance agencies that are pushing forward, that are that are pooling resources, 
uh, to just overall generate more income for your agency, then I highly recommend you check out SIA. Guys, moving, you know, being acquired by SIA and becoming part of this network and becoming part of this uh, ecosystem has been one of the best moves that I've ever made for my business. One of the best moves I've ever made in business in general. And, um, you know, whether you ultimately decide to join SIA or not is your decision, but I think it is worth taking another look. Don't, don't, you know, necessarily just believe stuff that you heard or read from from 10 years ago or five years ago. This is a completely different organization in terms of how they are rapidly adapting to uh, the modern independent insurance agency and the services and resources that they're providing. I highly recommend you take an, an extra look and you can do that at SIAA.com. Go to SIAA.com. Um, guys, with that, let's get on to what is a fantastic episode of this show with Mark McClure and Kim Reed from Tivoli. Here we go. Well, guys, I'm uh, I'm excited to get into it with you and excited to have you um, uh, on the call and and go through everything. I know um, just from a few, you know, the of the teaser uh, uh, sponsorship reads that I've done and stuff so far, and and, the, and everyone listening at home has has kind of heard your name and heard a little bit about the rebrand. And we're going to get into all that, but um, just from you know doing a couple kind of like intro uh sponsor reads and everyone knowing you know that these guys are sponsors you'll hear it but i've got a ton of behind the scenes direct messages and just people asking how are you using the tool what is your results been all that kind of stuff so i am incredibly excited to do a deep dive today and, and share with everybody listening um you know you're kind of get more into the backstory talk about the rebrand and then what i really want to get into in kind of the second half of our conversation today is like the tactical success behind using, you know, uh, we'll, we'll just call what you guys do a tool, a tool in the tool belt of, of agencies and agents to, to, to grow their business. So um, uh, before we get there, why don't we do the quick like uh, origin story? And um, Kim, you've never been on the show before. So let's let's start with you. And then and then we'll work our way. We'll work our way through. All right. Well, thanks for having both Mark and I. We're excited to be here and excited to meet you and join today. I joined Tivoli when it was commercialinsurance.net in September of 21, but Mark and I, in fact, Mark Chad, Chad also the, uh, one of the partners in the business, we go way back about 17 years to a lead gen startup. Um, so we've got a lot of history together in other businesses in the lead gen space. And I was excited to get the band back together and join with Mark and Chad again as this business really started to take off and help. I'm kind of the organizer, the, the, the foundation planner of the group um, to come in and, and help grow the team, grow the processes and make sure that we're scaling and enabling everything for success from the people, the partners, the systems we use. So that's, so, I'll let you chime in. Yeah, what I just heard there was um, Mark throws a bunch of crazy ass ideas on the wall, and then you <laughs> pick them off and make them happen. Kind of is that is that an that's accurate depiction? Accurate. Yeah, yeah. Accurate. I mean, yeah, Mark, no, what do you think? Entrepreneurs for sure. <laughs> yeah, you know, it only goes so long throwing things at the wall. <laughs> yes, and you know, it, it's funny. Um, you know, one of the things that I've learned it, just in with Rogue is that. Every integrator, which Kim very much sounds like you are, needs a visionary and every visionary needs an integrator. And that it is incredibly rare that you can be both. I don't know that you, you know, maybe 
uh, uh, a Steve Jobs, maybe an Elon Musk, maybe someone, I always forget her name, but the woman that created Spanx, uh, shit, I can't believe I'm forgetting oh, yeah. her name. Yeah. I um, but okay. if you, you know, you know, if anyone follows her story, like, you know, there are some very specific rare people who can kind of be both, but for the most part, you need that kind of yang to your yin or you just don't get things done. Um, so that, that's awesome. And I'm, I'm, I'm super excited that you're here because uh, we can actually get some real deep answers this time versus last time of Mark. No, I'm kidding. Right. <laughs> so Mark, just for everyone who missed your previous episode, which I think was back in either August or September, um, can you just give us the, the 20,000 feet? We don't have to spend a lot of time on backstory, just a little sure, bit, yeah. and then I want to get into the company more. I'll start where you know where we got started with a company by the name of Traffic Strategies, based in Tampa. My partner today, today Chad Jakeways, and I uh, started back in 2000, and uh, Kim joined us, I believe, in about 2003, and we became leaders in lead generation and uh, built a great lifestyle company that uh, was generating about 75,000 prospects a month, uh, and had the opportunity to sell that business to Rocketon. So all of us joined Rocketon and. I had never worked for anybody, but uh, that was my first job other than picking up range balls, you know, as a, as a kid. So as an, as an entrepreneur, you know, for eight years, that was a, uh, a great experience and learned a lot. And thankfully we had Kim there to, to organize our business and ideas and thoughts. And, and um, after I finished my earnout, uh, Chad took my role and then Kim took his role. And then when he finished uh, that position, uh, she ended up taking both of our roles. But long story short, we have today a group of digital marketers, some of the best digital marketers in the world that have worked on a ton of retail brands from Walmart to, um, you know, all of the brands that uh, Kim worked with, uh, with uh, Retail Me Not, as well as uh, financial services brands like American Express and Chase. And, and I think that's what makes us unique in the business that we are in today is that we have some of the best digital marketers in the world, but we also have 10 years uh, experience running a commercial insurance agency. So after I finished my earnout, I left Rocketon, relocated to Oklahoma, started a company by the name of commercialinsurance.net. And we built that up to a nice uh, agency with uh, right around 20,000 small business customers, uh, a little under 20,000 small business customers, and had about you know 50 salespeople, service people. But we learned how hard it is to work leads and work uh, prospects uh, that start online and you know, convert them into insurance policies. And that all leads are not equal. Even free leads are really expensive uh, if you don't have a market. And um, so, you know, the combination of the digital marketing uh, expertise that we gained at Traffic Strategies and Rocketon, along with uh, all of the commercial insurance experience just puts us at a unique position in the in the business typically you know the companies that we go up against are really great digital marketers but they don't know anything about commercial insurance it makes it really hard to excel in this space uh, or or vice versa and you know since then we uh i think it's really special that we've been able to recruit many of the team members we've worked with you know over the years if you uh, look around it's a great selling point when we go to uh, interview candidates that uh, they always compliment us on the fact that wow, we have uh, a number of team members. I haven't, I can't name them all. That uh, we've all worked together in different businesses, and we still want to work together after ten years. And so, uh, after we sold the commercial insurance agency, we pivoted into a lead exchange. Commercialinsurance.net became a lead exchange, and we started with about five thousand small businesses a month that we were talking to, and are up to about eighty thousand small businesses that come through our exchange on a monthly basis today. And 
So we are having a lot of fun and we are, you know, we're growing. We just finished a record year, just under 900,000 small businesses uh, came through our exchange seeking insurance in 2022. Uh, we finished the year record year with 41 million in revenue and are maintaining EBITDA discipline in, a, in an environment where uh, it's, you know, it's really a, a challenging environment for 2022. Uh, we uh, still ex you know, experienced a excellent growth and we're able to do that out of cash flow, uh, which was awesome because, you know, we brought in Aqualine Capital as, a, as our lead investor in, uh, a little over a year ago. And we have not had to deploy any of that cash, which sets us up for an awesome 2023 um, and allowed us, you know, maintaining EBITDA discipline. I think it's also a unique competitive advantage we have in this environment. Uh, that we were able to grow specifically just out of cash flow over, you know, I guess uh, since 2015, we've been profitable. Uh, <clears throat> last year, we finished at uh, just 70%, uh, or we grew uh, a little over 70%, added 203, uh, or finished the year with 203 team members, added a CFO, uh, built out the contact center, account managers, and, and continued building out the engineering team. So we're really excited about the investments that we're making, and we're we have been very cautious on how we deploy cash and are really protective of our culture that we bring people in that are um, that that we feel that we can uh, be successful with, but also uh, have a lot of fun. That's which is one of our core uh, principles is to have fun and laugh. And uh, I think you can do that in a growth company. Uh, we have transitioned from a lifestyle company. I, I know you mentioned just in your last podcast the difference between a lifestyle company and growth company. <clears throat> we. Uh, are stuck somewhere in between because we do still have uh, have a lot of fun, but I think you can have fun in a growth company and grow at the same time. Sometimes you have to work a little harder than you do in a lifestyle company, but yeah. that's uh, that was our intent in bringing in Aqualine as a partner uh, was to uh, bring in somebody that could you know put uh, some muscle behind us to start taking some risk that you know maybe we weren't going to take in a lifestyle family uh, business. So yeah. That's that's, That's awesome. Point. There's, yeah. there's lots to unpack there. And I, and I really appreciate that. You know, I think I'm um, just kind of touching on uh, one of the last things you said about the difference between a, a life, a lifestyle and a growth company, that episode um, has garnered a pretty substantial amount of feedback from a lot of people. Um, I think it's, it's funny uh, what people hear, you know, when, when you, you say something in between what you meant and maybe what you felt you said or the actual words you said and then what people actually hear are, are oftentimes very different. Um, and, you know, some people took, some people took uh, that podcast offensively. They said, um, what do you, I, there's no problem with being a lifestyle agent or just because I don't grow at 20%, you know, am I not a growth agent? And, all, and you know, I, I, I tried to explain to the people that were reasonable um, that, you know, my, my point was more, um, and, I, and I think you touched on it, like, if there's nothing wrong being a lifestyle business, there's absolutely nothing wrong. Yep. It's just the key is to make decisions that fit into the framework of what you want that to be, right? You want to have free time, you know, you want to you know, your, your time is maybe more important than top line growth. You, you want to be able to work on the projects you want to be able, you want to work on. And, you know, these, these different things take on the types of clients, you know, you can be super picky, you can be super niche like, like these kind of things are, are nothing wrong with them. They're just a set of filters that if your lifestyle you need to think of, and, and in every business, there, there are those things, right? You, you may say, Hey, 
we're doing great. We're growing 5% per year. And I get to golf every Tuesday afternoon and Friday afternoon. And I'm freaking happy as hell. And it's like, that's great. That is, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but what you wouldn't want to do is take on 10 new team members in a month. If you're a lifestyle business, cause now you're not going golfing, you're training and talking and building culture and setting people up and doing all those kinds of things. So, right. so it was interesting to, to think through, you know, it was more about, how the heuristics that you put into your business to match what your, what your goals are. Um, and, and my point in saying all that is how did you know, um, you know, what was the impetus or what were the conversations that you were having around? It's time to do this, you know, and you, and you, you, you mentioned, Hey, we brought in an alkaline so that we could take some risks that maybe we weren't willing to take or, you know, but there had to be a moment where you said, Hey, we're this today. We're pretty darn good at this, but we kind of want to go see maybe how big we can be, or we kind of want to see, we kind of want to attack this market and we're willing to, to push harder because I can only imagine that you're probably not working less now that you've thrown <laughs> gasoline on the fire. So, you know, talk me through a little bit that decision. Cause I think a lot of both agency owners that are listening and sure techs that are listening, you know, even some of maybe the smaller and sure tech oriented carriers that are listening, they're all having this same conversation all the time. So I'm interested what your guys' thought process was. You know, we, we had the opportunity to sell the entire operation in, in 2020. And we, you know, we had just pivoted into a lead exchange a few years prior to that. And we made the decision that if we take the Aqualine investment, that the end result could be a lot bigger than we were going to be able to get in 2020, which that also meant that we were going to have to work a little bit harder and then start bringing in greater talent that, that we just didn't have today. For example, bringing in Kim Reed, we didn't even have a CFO and didn't have any engineers on staff. And, you know, as a lifestyle company, maybe we wouldn't have taken those risks and, and, and that's okay because we, you know, we, uh, we have a lot of, a lot of fun on both sides. It's just different. You know, it's, it is as an entrepreneur, when, you know, when things are going well, it's, it's, it's fun to work hard. And I don't know when, when you get back to the corner, I, sometimes I enjoy that as well in a, probably a sick kind of way also, but, um, you know, <laughs> where we are today, um, as it relates to making the decision of transitioning from a lifestyle company to a growth company, you know, when you, when you take an investment, like the kind of investment we took, um, you know, it's our responsibility to make sure that uh, we return uh, profits for our shareholders and distributions. Yep. And, and today we have about 3% market share of all small businesses that are seeking insurance online, which means there's a huge number of companies that we're not touching. And, you know, to, to for us to be able to reach the other seven percent of the uh, customers, uh, the small businesses that are um, in the marketplace, it means that we uh, we have to operate more like a growth company and bring you know start to bring in really strong uh, team members in areas that maybe Chad and I were weak in and and other uh, yeah uh, in, in those areas. You know, it, it's funny. I made a very similar move. Um, in my own business, obviously I, I was acquired by SIA and there was, you know, the thought process was very similar was I had this goal of where I wanted to be, but when I mapped it out, it was like a 10 year goal. It was like 10 years to get to where yeah. I wanted to be. And I am anything, if not impatient. So uh, I said, geez, if I partner be acquired by, you know, the, the deal with SIA, yep. um, I can get to that same place in about three years. 
So, uh, you know, it was at that point, it was kind of like, I don't want to say a no brainer, but for where I was, what I wanted to do, there was no other path. Um, and then you get into it and you start to realize, you know, with a little bit of backstop, a little bit of resources, capital, whatever, um, if you're smart about it, and I love how you, you, and I want to talk a little bit about how you really pressed cash flow, you pressed, you know, smart management of your EBITDA, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, we're still, we're still uh, burning some capital, but we're getting, we're rapidly getting to the point where, you know, we want to be sustainable inside of 12 months, which hits our yep. runway goal, you know, pretty early. Yep. Um, but it's like you have finding the right people and knowing where to say, okay, because I think the mistake I see is that some people get that cash and it's like, we got to go spend it. You know what I mean? Like, right. who's, yeah. let's just, let's hire some people. Let's buy some shit. Let's go, you know, do some yeah. stuff. And, yeah. um, you know, it's almost been, what's, what's been funny. And, and obviously this is the I first time. OPM, other people's money. Yeah. Other people's money. Yeah. What, what's but been it's funny, not really. Yeah. I know. I know. That's yeah. the thing is that like, it may seem like it, but really it's not. And the, and the, and the interesting part for me has been, um, and I didn't do this on purpose was, uh, when I, when I got the money from SIA and we started deploying it, I've almost been more thoughtful in how I spent, even though there's yeah. way more of it. Yeah. I've been more thoughtful in the way that I spend it. The, the pressure that I put on contractors and vendors and, and stuff has been since I got, you know, their money, then if it were just mine, when it was mine, I was like, let's try this. Let's do this. You know, oh, Hey, we lost 250 bucks here. We lost a thousand bucks here trying this, you know, whatever. Now I'm like, eh, do we know if right. that's going to work? Where, yeah. where, where are we at with that? What's, you know, show me. And I, I don't know why that is or way that is, but it seems, um, it seems like a decent, you know, I don't, I stumbled into it. It seems like, um, a path that a lot of, uh, a path that a lot of people don't take. And, and ultimately seems like you can run into a lot of, a lot of issues if you don't think about it that way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, there's a whole new level of responsibility when you're spending other people's money. Yeah. So, it's yeah. like a stewardship mentality. Absolutely. Almost, I think. And I don't yeah. want to, and again, I don't want to act like I, this was like some grand vision yeah. of mine. It just, maybe it's fear. I you know, just have kind of stumbled into it and then doing yeah. some hindsight. So, okay. So get past yeah, that it's part. funny that you touch on fear. I, 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 I think as an entrepreneur, fear for me is a place that I go to harness just strength and the, you know, the, as an, as an entrepreneur, it just really pushes me to get to wherever I, you know, wherever I'm trying to go at a much faster rate, you know, so yeah. many people talk about fear and how it's paralyzing. And, you know, I kind of hit on that earlier, like, you know, I've, I've been an entrepreneur for 20 years and except for the 18 months during the earnout at, at, at Rocketon. And there were years that I was backed in a corner too. And, yeah. and um, you know, having that fear, just, I don't know, just for me, it pushed, push me to new levels that maybe I couldn't get to uh, yeah. if I was comfortable. And so um, I agree. that's good. That's okay. And, and I love to talk about that. So many people say like, you should never say it out loud. Like I, I it, it's what drives me. So, I basically, you know, and up. I don't want to go back to that. Place. Yeah. That's why, yeah. that's why we're I, so conservative I, with how we spend our money. But um, I'm glad you said that because uh, I basically wake up scared to death every day and operate from that place. Cause like, I don't ever want to go back to the way things used to be like you know i don't want to go back to you know grinding out someone else's nine to five you know working someone else's vision like i don't ever want to be put back into that corner 
And, um, and the only way to continue to get opportunities, the only way to continue to get people to invest in you and future ideas and current ideas, partnerships is if you're successful. You know, I think one of the things that I'm hoping comes out of the recession that's coming, which I think we all can kind of say it's, if it's not here, it's coming or, you know, how low it goes, we'll see is that these ridiculous concepts of like, you know, at the end of the day, all that matters is results. You either produce results or you don't. Like yep. you can sound great on social media. You can dress well. You can say all the right things, whatever. You can read the right books. You can take the right online course, whatever your things are. You can go to the right conferences. If you're not getting results, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? And I tell this to our sales team a lot. Um, you know, we have some people, you know, we, we have some people on our team who are, who are talented, but I, I can also tell sometimes they want to, be part of that like LinkedIn celebrity thing a little bit, you know? Sure. And I'm yeah. just like, guys, the people who are LinkedIn celebrities are one of two things. They're either incredibly successful and produce massive results and their LinkedIn celebrity is a result of that, or they're completely full of shit. And <laughs> no. you know which one you are. So, yeah. you know, right. like, yeah. um, you don't, you, you, you have to produce results. So for me, it's this fear that, I have this vision, I have this mission and I'm not going to get there. And that's what drives me. And I think that's to your point is like that fear is like, it's like a hate fire that just, yeah, absolutely. you know, hate for going back to the way right. I don't want to yeah. go back. Yeah, absolutely. You know? So, all right. So let's moving on from that. Um, so Tivoli, so, so talk to me about Tivoli, talk to me about the brand, you know, your commercial insurance.net. I, you know, it's funny when you first, when I first heard, you know, when you first told me or got the email or whatever it was, I can't remember who I was talking to. Maybe it was Samantha on your team. Who's awesome, by the way. Um, I, you know, she, I think she sent the email or I was on a call with her and I kind of like, kind of like hit me and I was like, Tivoli. Okay. It didn't immediately make sense um, uh, to me, but once she explained it definitely did, but I was like commercial insurance.net was so on the nose, right? Like it was like, what do you guys do? Commercial leads. Why yeah. commercial insurance.net? Oh, okay, great. You know, and again, it's a long name, tough to write, a lot of syllables. Not I get it. But like, talk to me a little bit about the brand, the name. I mean, I like how concise Tivoli is and all that. So, so just talk to me about the thought process behind that. I'm going to let Kim talk to you about the, because she spent a ton of work, work a ton of time and work with uh, Catchword, the, the uh, agency that helped us with the rebrand. I'll just start with you know, commercialinsurance.net is, was a, a domain name that I purchased in the early 2000s when I recognized that nobody was using any forms of digital media to drive commercial insurance uh, leads. It ranked really well from a search yep. SEO standpoint back in those days, but it was really long. Uh, it was a .net. And what I didn't know along the way uh, as an entrepreneur is that a lot of uh, talent didn't want to go to work for a domain name that sounded like it came out of the 90s and and was dot net yeah and so we're lucky that uh, kim knew us and knew knew our capabilities and where she could add value to our to our company she took a bet on us but um you know part of it was just that the fact that you know it was a good brand for its time but it was time to sunset that brand and it was important to our investors and keeping them happy is important to me and uh and so with that, I'll let Kim talk about the rebrand and, and how it all came about. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think going back to the point on growth, this business has grown a lot, probably started more lifestyle, definitely evolved into a growth company in 21, 22. 
Um, and as we evolved and the team got bigger and you get further and further from when Mark purchased the domain in 2000, um, it just started to feel a little bit dated for who we are and what we represent. We wanna represent new ideas and making improvement and great digital experiences and efficiency. And it felt like we had a domain name and not a brand name. So when I first joined, we were trying to do it all ourselves, which was Saturday morning text message threads of what about this name? What about this name? What about this name? Um, after a couple months of doing that on our own, we decided let's get some, some professional viewpoints on this. We talked to about five different agencies, a mix of ones that specialize in everything branding, PR, um, all of that. And we ultimately decided to go with one that really specialized in naming. Because um, that was our goal. We want to get a brand that we're really excited about, proud of, that's broader than insurance, that gives us flexibility in the future, that is short, snappy, modern, and has meaning. So partnered with Catchword, and they have a, a really structured process that starts with a ton of research into what we do, who we are, interviews with a lot of our employees to really identify what do we stand for. Their terminology would be our brand pillars. So it's it's similar to values, but um, just not taking the words of values, but more how do you live and operate? And from there, um, that gives kind of the who we are so that we can find names that make a connection to a component of that. So one of our brand pillars was yaysayers. Something that came through in all of the interviews was this ability and desire to find a way to say yes to partners, to internal employees. But if somebody needs something, if there's a way that we can do it better, smarter, create something that we haven't tried before, how do we start with yes um, and figure it out? And I think that's how this business got to what it is today, how Mark evolved it from the agency it was to what it is today, was looking at the needs of partners, looking at the needs of small businesses and trying to make it better, um, trying to add more solutions that they need and just create positive outcomes. So we looked at, I think, 400 names um, overall, kind of kept, it's a funnel, kept narrowing it down. And Tibley was one that really resonated with us because of the connection to Positively. And that yeah. concept of positive resonated so well with the yes, yaysayer side of our kind of culture and the goal we have of making experiences better, better for agents, better for the businesses. Um, and so we, we ran with that. It also was a short, short name, easy to yep. type. Go after typing commercialinsurance.net for a long time, five letters, really exciting. <laughs> um, there is nothing wrong with domain modifiers. There's amazing businesses that have modifiers in their domain name, um, but we didn't. That was a goal of ours was to have the domain match the brand name. So that yeah. kind of limited some of the options as well for us. And then from there, we um, just kind of created meaning all around it. So the logo has meaning. It represents the two sides of the marketplace and us as the connector. The colors have meaning. We're Navy and magenta. So we're kind of that classic insurance corporate Navy with like a pop of color that represents the fun and new and bright um, things we're trying to bring to the industry yeah. and launched it in November. It's awesome. 
Did you hear that virtual intelligence and on-hand VAs actually merged? That's right. I was talking to Michael Cruz and checking out what he has there with his Colombian workers. And I said to him, dude, what's up? You realize you're not a VA, right? He said, what do you mean? I said, you're a VE. Look it up on ChatGPT. I encourage you to do that too. He's got forward-facing VEs. VEs that can answer the phone and take questions 30 days in. You say yes to Michael. I want what you have. In 30 days, that's what he delivers. I said, Michael, this is unbelievable. We're strong in the front, but we're really strong in the back end. You provide the external VE for us. We provide the internal VE. I looked at him. I said, buddy, let's do this together. Let's let's do this. And he looked at me and he put out his hand and like a good solid Cuban American, he said, Jason, I'm committed. Let's do it. And that's what we did. We flew to Columbia. We saw his operation and you need to see it too. Give us a little click at virtual Intel. That's with two L's. That's virtual I N T E L L dot com. Go check us out. See what we're doing. High quality VEs mixed with technology delivered right into your agency. And you don't have to do all the things that you don't like to do, like hiring, firing, recruiting, recreating, trying to find processes. Just there's so much stuff. I can't even say it right. That's right. Virtual Intel cast certified. It's awesome. I, uh, I, I love all that. And I think, you know, one far, I think in the insure tech startup world, this definitely the work that you did is probably feels a little more um, familiar, but to a lot of agencies listening, especially anyone that's, that's legacy or, or even some of the legacy carriers, it feels like, you know, that work that you did, which at some point I'm sure was absolutely grinding, mind numbing, and you wanted to like kill yourself because picking a name for a business is terrible. Um, you know, it like for you to say all that and, and walk us through that, like walk us through that thought process and how this idea of positive outcomes is, is a pillar of your business, you know, being, being a, a yes company, finding opportunity, finding ways to be successful, like that, that seeps down in not just to your employees or to your partners, but to your customers, it, it seeps into every filter. You know, we talk, you know, I, I, I try to talk to my own leadership team about filters, you know, talk and think in filters because you're the decisions. I, I can't make every decision for you and your individual people can't make every decision for you, the manager, right? There's going to be all these individual decisions made at every level. And if we're developing at the high level as leaders in our business, through our brand, our culture, and, and these types of uh, exercises that you, you did in, in the rebrand, it gives your people a set of filters to make decisions through that you can feel more confident that they're going to do do something that it may not even be exactly what Kim Reed would do, but it is the right thing to do in that moment based on these set of filters that you've given them. And I feel like that's how you get to a scale. That's how you scale success is, is and it comes all the way back to the work that you just described. And so few people are willing to do it. So I give yeah. you guys a lot of credit for that because I'm okay. sure there was a moment where you're like, just pick a name. I can't take it anymore. <laughs> like, let's just Our pick one. Said, Are you sure we need to do this? Yeah. A as, a, as a performance-based marketer, you know, I'm not cut from the, from the PR cloth. And, and, and so I had to really challenge myself to, to let Kim and the experts and, and even Chad get in there and, and help make some really, uh, you know, hard decisions. Yeah. At, yeah. at what point did Mark go, let's just pick best commercial leads on the internet for insurance.com and go with that. There, there it is. I got yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. Oh, he, it would have to be at least 50 letters long. Yeah. The URL is well, available. Have a, 
Yeah. We had that he wanted a funny name so that he would laugh every time we had to say our name. So there was there was all kind of considerations taken. Yes. I started with butter. It was butter was 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 the name that I that I had originally picked. I'm glad we didn't land on it, but we had uh, identified butter.com and uh, you know, smooth like butter. And, and I'm so glad they talked me into saving a ton of money on the domain name yeah. and landing on a yeah. Uh, the name Tivoli and, you know, with the story that, you know, Kim just put behind it, like it's, it's meaningful. And it's, yeah. in a, it's, we, we live in such a, a negative industry as it relates sometimes to small business owners, because there's no's around every corner. Yeah. No, you don't have enough experience. No. How am I going to get any experience if nobody will insure my business or no, you're not big enough or you haven't been there long, you know, you, you haven't been doing this long enough. And, you know, we've tried to amass a number of, of different types of, insurance agencies, brokers, and carriers that can, that can write insurance for a wide variety of businesses yeah. so that we can say, yes, yeah, we can help you. And, you know, as an entrepreneur, that's something that, you know, I hate telling people no, uh, especially when they're a startup and they have a dream and they're willing yeah. to get all uh, to, to make it work. Like there, there's nothing more that uh, drives me than, you know, just listening to stories of, of entrepreneurs that are willing to put it on the line and, and, you know, and, and do whatever it takes to make it happen. So, um yeah that's so, uh, but butter butter yeah. didn't, didn't make the cut although i do like smooth like butter i mean i do like that um so what does a positive outcome look like how do you determine a positive outcome so if you're always working to positive outcomes right like what how do you start to track that how do you measure it what does it mean because that could be it can mean a lot of things to a lot of different constituencies and stakeholders right positive outcomes could be positive outcomes for your investors, positive outcomes for owners, shareholders. It could be positive outcomes for employees. Like, um, do you prioritize whose positive outcomes are most important and how do you manage all, I, you know, and again, maybe some of this is selfishly just one, you know, business owner to, to, to another, like, how do you guys, how do you guys manage positive outcomes for all the stakeholders associated with the business when, um, sometimes they can conflict with each other. Kim, do you want to take that or you want me to take it? I mean, I think I'll start super high level and then I'm sure, Mark, you've got a lot to add too, but I think what we like about the positive, positive outcomes is it's flexible. It doesn't mean any one thing to one group. Um, and so we look across the several stakeholders. I, I, I came from, I was spent about nine years at Retail Me Not. And we always said, you know, who, who mattered more? Is it the retail? Who do you serve first, the retailers or the shoppers? And the reality is you just always had, you had to create good experiences for both. And there were times that we were building products that focused on one or the other, but we were only a successful business if we did good for both sides. And I think we, we look at both sides first, the customers, the, the small businesses, small, medium businesses that need insurance. That's all about customer experience. How do we create great customer experiences? How do we understand what scenarios create not good customer experiences, identify those and create a game plan to just continuously be optimizing and addressing those friction points. Then we through the, and a lot of, a lot of this team there is significant insurance background, especially from Mark, for example, running an agency. But a lot of this team has a lot of digital performance marketing experience from Rocketon Days, from, from several different companies. So how do we take 
that experience to create great customer journeys through digital, through combining human and technology, and then not just create great experiences on our own website, but power and enable great experiences on our partner site. So what we can do to create a great customer experience on Tibly.com, we can power on other partner sites as well. That's part of our triage services using the form. So we can create great experiences and then leverage the learnings, leverage the tool sets, the technology, the people, and then enable that for our partners as well. And in that way, we start kind of serving both sides of the marketplace. And then for the partners, looking at what their success metrics are and just continuing to evolve our services, our offerings, our platform um, to align with their goals too. Mark, you want to chime in? I, I had written down a, something very similar and it is, is experience. So from a, uh, from a, our representatives, uh, you know, I, sometimes I say our biggest customers are actually our uh, team members and making sure that we're creating an environment and putting them in a position where they can help people because when they have to say no all day long, that's a really negative experience for our team members. Uh, if we are forcing our customers, advertisers, whether they're agents, brokers, or carriers to accept risks where they don't have a market or they have identified that they don't want to take the lead, that creates a negative agent experience for those who are you know, paying our bills. And so, you know, that's also important, but probably the most important of, of the three would be if we focus on the insured experience and making sure we help that small business owner find somebody who can offer them a reputable company to insure their business, uh, hopefully that's A-rated uh, for a reasonable price. It doesn't have to be the best price or the cheapest price, but it needs to be fast. And, you know, that's what we uh, pride ourselves on is, is, is taking them through the journey as fast as possible so that it's a, it's just a good experience for, for all three stakeholders. And, you know, if we can do that, then, you know, as investors, um, in the company, you know, the, the money will follow. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's good. I think that, um, Kim, you had said, you know, constantly addressing friction points. This to me seems like one of the, uh, key aspects of a, of a growth oriented business, um, and whether it's uh, an agency, a carrier, an insured tech, you know, whatever, whatever the business is in, in our particular industry, um, it, it does seem like uh, someone who is in more of a, a, a stasis or, or a lifestyle state, they've kind of hit that point where their personal income is great. Again, not knocking. One of the characteristics is they stop addressing friction points. They start saying things like, this is the way we do it. Our clients may appreciate the way we do it, which is fine, but we're not doing it a different way, even if it's easier. Yeah. Right? We're, we're, this is how we operate. And one of the, the, the things I've heard on this show from, from interviewing and talking to individuals like yourselves, you know, hundreds of times now, it's, it's you know, just a, an internal culture or a personality characteristic or whatever that just, you, you, you can't abide a, a friction point. Like, you may have to deal with it for a period of time, but it like bugs you. There's like something inside you that says we can do that better. I might yeah. not be sure yet how, I might not have the technology. We may have to build something, find a partner, whatever, but man, it bugs me that that happens here every time. And we have to fix that. We need to remove that friction. That, that yeah. feels like a fairly ubiquitous characteristic of, of growth oriented cultures and, and people in general is that they just, it just bugs them. Having friction in their business just bother, unless it's purposeful, which, which, which sometimes you want to have purposeful friction, but um, you know that is often not the case. It just it just bothers them, and that that's uh, that's a really good point. So, 
uh, one of the things, you know, I want to take these last 20 minutes or so that we have together and, and start to look at and just talk through is, uh, you know, and these are the, these are the questions I get, um, is, you know, I don't, I don't want to get into not things like lead quality or whatever, but like, how are, how are you finding the partners that work with you are the most successful? What are some of the characteristics, you know, like I, I always say to people when they call me about, um, about you guys, like I say, look, you know, you're going to write business. Like if you, if you work with these guys, you're going to write business. One of the very first things that I think everyone that you, and then again, this is me talking to whoever's calling me is you have to be able to answer the phone. Like a lot of what I've found is that a lot of agencies, a lot of agents, a lot of producers, especially today. And especially if they're part of gen C, the worst generation, um, that they just don't want to be on the phone. Like, they don't want to be on the phone. Like they just, for this phone is like, they're like allergic to it. I shouldn't say the worst generation, the worst generation at phone skills, yeah. the worst generation at phone skills, just to be clear. They're, I'm sure they're perfectly fine people. Um, the, and, and that to me is like, if you can't answer the phone and do your job over the phone, you know, that seems like a pretty, in, in, a, in a lot of agencies, the, the phone will just ring into infinity or it rings to like the principal's cell phone who is on the golf course three days a week, or they turn their phones off from noon to two for lunch. And I know you can like set up these triggers and stuff, but it's like, like you gotta have a good phone game, right? I mean, that kind of feels like step one and, and tell me if I'm wrong, uh, but then what are some of the other characteristics that, that you're seeing of successful partners that if I'm sitting here and I'm going, geez, you know, I've been considering these guys for a while, like, what are some of the other uh, successful things that you see partners doing um, when they work with you to, to write more business? Mark, you want to start with that one? With this sure. One? Yeah, well, I'll start with the, from an advertiser perspective. So your agencies, brokers, or carriers who are purchasing risks, um, the best thing that they can do to be successful is making sure they provide us with an appetite and spend the time to build an appetite for the risk that they want to write. Um, one characteristic that's unique for Tivoli is that we not only will ask for filters that include state, class, uh, line of business, but we also start to drill down in, in specific questions that are important to that advertiser, the agent, broker, or carrier, um, kick out questions that may be important to them. For example, if it's a landscaper, there's some some buyers who don't want to who don't want to work with landscapers who carry ladders that are over six feet why because they're probably doing more than landscaping yeah uh, there is a segment of uh, so that's a filter that we allow advertisers to buy so you know taking the time to build your filters within the within within the campaigns and you know not just providing us with a list of states and classes that you want to write uh you know maybe if you're a generalist and you're successful with that that that's one way to do it but you know i would say the 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 best way to to build a profitable book is to, you know, give us filters that are going to protect your loss ratios. Is it years in business? Is it revenue? Is it, are they kick out filters by class? I don't know. It's, it depends on whatever the specialty is for the, for the advertiser. And then as it relates to our publishers, the groups where we, um, that we work with to purchase leads, um, you know, we, we, it's not a secret that we generate a lot of our traffic through declinations that come out of insurance carriers. Yep. Um, so the, you know, these old school carriers that have in the past 
been able to say yes to those who they can write a market for, but they say no to the balance, which is usually a pretty large number, you know, providing them with a solution that uh, allows their agents to say, I don't have a market for you today, but I have somebody that can help. Uh, whether they're giving out our phone number or they're doing a cold transfer or a warm transfer, they're at least offering that small business owner a um, an opportunity to 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 find you know what they're looking for, and that gener generally leads to building a relationship that allows us to be on the front line. So there are many insurance carriers, brokers that we actually answer the phone on behalf of the company, and we do all the triage work up front. What does that do for the company? Well, we answer the phone and. Uh, four seconds. So, you know, <laughs> some of those companies have over, you know, 10 minute hold time. So they're missing tons and tons of business. It's in the, back to the experience standpoint. Uh, nobody likes to be hold, on hold for 10 minutes and then put through an IVR system. And so um, that's a, that's a, you know, a, a, that is a, um, a solution that makes our, our publisher uh, insurance company successful is, is, off, is offering them the ability to answer calls in volume, as well as, you know, you'd be amazed at how many insurance companies, brokers, even agents will purchase web leads and they don't call them for one day, two days, three days. So they crazy. Sometimes groups will put us on the front lines to do that work for them, for them. That's not where we make our money, but that's how we make our partners successful. Yeah. And, and, and that's what puts us on the front lines of of some, you know, what we're told are some of the best leads in the business. Yeah. But I'd love to get your thoughts on. Yo, uh, yeah. I'd, on, I'd, uh, the value of our leads and how, and how we, um, probably should have talked about this prior to this, this interview, but, you know, just how do we stack up against the, against the competition and, you know, what can we do to continue to improve our business? Yeah. Well, I'd say, you know, in, in full transparency to everyone listening, you know, um, we, we pay thousands statively every month because we get good business out of it. I mean, I, I think the proof is in, you know, I, I read, uh, I read uh, something the other day. Uh, don't listen to what someone says, listen to what's in their portfolio, right? Like, um, you know, we, we pay money to Tivoli every month for leads. And we, we've got, we have, I think two very targeted niche campaigns. And then we have one like mass buying campaign that we run. And we do that because feeds our producers. Um, I've talked, I talked before on the episode that just you and I were on Mark back in the, uh, back in the fall around how one of the, one of the ways that we use uh, Tivoli as well is to feed new producers leads to kind of test their metal, right? Get them going right off the bat. Here's some, here's some, here are some qualified, ready to go opportunities. You know, if you these up, then we know where we need to train you. Not like we kick you out the door, but now, you know, we get to hear them on the phone in real time, addressing someone who has presented a need, who is actively on a call. We have the backup data. How do they ask the questions? How do they frame our business? How do they, you know, solve problems? Like what are they doing? And, and then from there, uh, we feed a couple specific niches that we have um, because it, to me, it's just constant activity, right? Like the game, you know, you know, the unfortunate part about buying leads in general, we'll just say as a, as a general, as a general sense, buying, you know, I like to, you call them buying risks, um, you know, because I think you, you know, I would classify what we get from you as more than leads, right? Leads are kind of like, this might work. Um, what we get from you guys are, it's yours to fuck up kind of, it's more, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, 
what what I fe- you know if, if we're talking about lifetime value of a customer, then first year ROI to me uh, is is not as important. Um, and the reason that I and and then the other thing too is when we're buying a lead. Let's say let's say I pay you guys. I'm just gonna p- just pick up a number. I'm not gonna hold you know. I don't want everyone to say like this is what they all cost. You know whatever. Let's just say buying a lead from you costs a hundred bucks. Let's just say that for purposes of conversation, let's just say, bam, I buy a lead from you a hundred bucks. It's a live, you know, call. Hey, we have, we write those landscapers. Hey, we have a five person landscaper with 1.5 million in revenue on the phone. Uh, They need GL and workers comp. Can you help them? Yes. Boom. Okay. We just paid a hundred bucks for that. Now I have a producer talking to that person. Okay. So that's the cost. And what a lot of agency principals in particular, not, Carriers, some of the larger entities will CPS this, but what a lot of people who struggle with the value proposition think is that's a hundred dollars out of my pocket, and now I'm talking to this person. Okay, well, the, what they what they fail to think about when comparing those types of opportunities versus all others is the time and material expense that goes into generating other types of opportunities. So yeah. let's say I go to uh, a networking event, right? And I'm there for an hour and it's 20 bucks to get in. And, uh, I buy a beer at the bar and it's an hour of my time. That math is most likely more than a hundred dollars, right? If I'm, if I meet someone there and then I want to do business with them because now we're going to connect on LinkedIn and we're going to do the back and forth on scheduling our first call or meeting then we're going to do the get to know you meeting and gather the info. And it's like, when you stack all that up, now we're talking hundreds, if not thousands of dollars in terms of time and spent getting that opportunity in the door. Now they might've not bought that opportunity, but they're not thinking pound for pound. Wow. I just got all of that for a hundred bucks in the snap of my fingers today with the person on the phone, ready to go. Um, So we close uh, on the opportunities that we don't mess up and we mess some up. We have some training, training stuff that we're working on, but when we, when we, when we're really cooking um, my personal close ratio was just North of 60% and we're currently close to 50% at rogue risk. So I want to get us back up over 60 and I think we can be as high as 75. If we, we need to dial in some markets, you know, one of the things that I was saying, I'm, I'm not, I don't mean to be selling you guys. I just, this is what we do all day this is the way that I think is like, I mean, I think about this for all campaigns. So I think of Tivoli. So do everyone at home realize I think of Tivoli like a campaign there. Are, I, I have many different streams of leads coming into rogue risk. I think of them all as campaigns or projects and each one is set up a little different. So for, for us to be successful with Tivoli, what we found is dialing in the appetite and the dials to a particular carrier. So um, like uh, we're, uh, going to be launching a transportation one with you guys uh, okay. soon. We do construction and contracting just in California right now because we have three carriers in California and two producers that that do contracting and construction in California, which is very hard to do. And so we don't have as much competition. And in the competition we do have, we have experts taking the phone calls and we have all the markets that we need to be successful. Those right. do very, very well. I think where people get hung up and, and again, the, the, the transportation one will be geared towards cover whale. So we're going to be gearing that call campaign towards what cover whale needs to be successful 
so that the leads that come in, the ones we answer the phone for fit their appetite so that when my transportation producer takes that call, there's no, there's less of a chance of it not fitting that appetite because we're setting Tivoli up for that. So then our mass campaigns kind of the same way. Like we continue to tweak and dial and add an industry, maneuver, remove an industry to set up for like, you know, our big three, which are travelers, Hartford and nationwide. Right. So like uh, great American a little bit too. just give great American shout out. So, you know, we're, we're setting up for those guys so that those leads that come in, when we, when the leads we get, the questions we ask, we know they fit the markets and we're going right to market with what we hope and our biggest, we call them STMs, shit that matters. Our, our number one STM in sales is one call closes. Um, as our one call close number goes up, our cost of acquisition, our return on investment goes up. That's, there's a very clear, uh, 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 my brain's not working. Very clear um, relationship. Sorry. Wow. You're good. <laughs> I've done that. I promise I've talked on the radio before. Um, the, the, a very clear relationship between one call closes and return on investment. So that's a very long way of saying if we match campaigns to carriers that we want to write business with, we put producers with expertise on those inbound calls, and then we tweak the dials, appetite, size, whatever, geography to match what that particular producer's expertise is and the carrier they want to write more business with you will be highly successful 60 to I think north of 75% close ratio on these leads. Wow. That's, that's my personal take. Uh, it's great to hear. I bet your underwriters love you. They don't, but we're no, getting well, it. the fact that you're dialing in and your, your hit ratio is so high. That is, that makes their job a lot easier for sure. Yeah, you need to add them for a raise. Yeah, the hard part, you know, this, this is a completely off topic, but our underwriters, we have a love, hate, have a love, hate relationship with us mostly yeah. because they don't know how to handle us. Right. They're so used to like, they're so used to having relationships with traditional local agents because we're, we're not big enough to be thought of as like a new front or a sage or a renegade or one of these like mega digital agents. So we're, they, we're like in that in-between phase of they kind of want to put us in a local agent box, but at the same time we operate like one of those big ones. So like these underwriters are getting hit seven, nine, 15 times a day. And they just know what you're feeling. I went through it for years and eventually it'll, it'll, it'll start snowballing. Yeah. Well, they all say the same thing. As soon as you hit a million, we start paying attention to you. Yeah. So, okay. We're on our way. Um, so yeah, so that, that's kind of been our, our, our process. And again, just, I don't want it to be, you know, just, just tip like that. What I just explained to everybody, that's how we set up every campaign for every, that's how we set up stuff for SEO. That's how we set up stuff for, you know, paid ads. That's how we set up stuff for referral partners. We do it all. We, we match producer market to lead source, and then we create a campaign around it. And it's kind of how we think about it. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I, I think, uh, you, it's like, it's, it's almost like thinking about it, like niching a generalist agency. We're very much a generalist agency, like the um, the way I explain our business, and again, I don't mean to talk about rogue so much, but the way we explain, I explain my business is we're, we're, uh, if you ever watch gold rush, I don't know if you guys have ever yeah. seen gold rush. I, for some reason that show just speaks to me. I don't, I have absolutely no idea why. Um, but it hit me one day that, that what we're trying to do at rogue is be essentially the gold shaker deck, right? I don't know if you, you know, you see basically they take these yeah. big, huge groups of pay dirt, which yep. is has shit and good stuff mixed in yep. the gold being the good stuff. And they throw it all on the top of this shaker deck. 
and you guys can't see the hand gestures that I'm doing at home right now. They're amazing. But like the, you know, that gets blasted with these big jets and then it gets blasted with smaller jets. And then it shakes out the big rocks through big holes and then sure. it falls down. And then there's holes get a little smaller and a little smaller and a little smaller until the gold comes out the ass end of this thing. And yeah. that is what ultimately we're trying to build with rogue in the various versions of our business, both at do it yourself, a select team and a premier team is that, we, I just want to find every avenue I can for opportunities, throw them in the top of this shaker system, and then have the gold come out the bottom wherever it needs, wherever it's most appropriate based on the customer experience and the needs of that particular customer. So, um, you know, that's, and you guys are a big part of that. So, yeah, uh, it's great to hear. Yeah. yeah, my, my uh, when we were running our agency, and even today, my mind was uh, deadliest catch. So yeah. same same concept. You, yep. you might go fishing and catch nothing, and you know it's going to be a really cold winter. But you know when you when you do, you put it through the, you know the same same process. So yeah, it's so, uh, yeah. it's interesting. Um, so we're kind of at our number. Uh, I would love to leave you guys with like, if I'm listening at home and uh, wherever I'm listening, most people probably don't listen to this at home. But if I'm listening and you know, I'm, I'm, you know, a lot of people 2023, they're trying to hit it hard. I think we're all finally out of COVID mentality. I think we're all kind of whatever it's going to look like firing on all cylinders for the new versions of our business, these quasi remote, whatever, uh, wherever we're going. Um, you know, I see for, 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 for the agencies that are ready to go, you guys are, are a big, can be a big part of their success. And I think um, both as growth or and or a foundational layer of consistent sales, right? Which I think a lot of people don't think about. I think they only think, hey, I want to grow. I'm going to go buy some leads. Well, yes, that can be the case. But I tend to think of you guys almost more as a consistent base, right? Like I can count on this many leads coming from Tivoli every week. And if we hit this close ratio, I know there's just a base layer of business we're going to do every month, bam, here it is. You know, it's between X number and Y number of premium. And, you know, we buy more, that number will go up. We, you know, as long as we keep buying it, we know we're going to be right in there. And that's really, really important to success. And um, uh, so, so if I'm thinking about it, like, like, you know, who, who is the perfect, let's, let's go maybe just, just think agent agency. Um, you know, what would be a, just a great case? So you're sitting there and if you look like this or you're thinking this, whack, give us a call today and, you know, we're going we're gonna to get you there. Kimberly Kay, I'll let you bring us home. I just think it's anybody. We've got, as Mark said, we're getting 80,000 small, medium business partners, leads, risks every single month coming and looking for somebody who can write a policy. And if you write commercial insurance policies or connected to that, you fit. You can come in and customize it to your point, create the campaigns, create the filters, create the bid price that makes sense for your specific goals. Um, you can set daily limits, you can set hourly limits, you can day part. So you're looking for commercial insurance, businesses, partners, leads, we're a great fit. You can just go to tibley.com. You can go down to the footer, commercial insurance leads, and we'll follow up right away and help get you set up. Awesome. I, I will also say, I'll just toss this out there. Anybody who's listening that has questions and wants to ask me before, 
hit me up. I'll be completely honest. I'll give you uh, the, the good stuff, the bad stuff, the stuff that where the mistakes that we made, how we've optimized over time. You know, we've been using guys for, I mean, it's kind of, I think the spring is when I, when we started or maybe even a little before then. Um, so we, we've been buying leads from you guys for a while. So, uh, you know, we're coming up on almost a year and we've learned so much. So happy to answer any questions everyone has. You can DM me on LinkedIn or wherever your famous favorite DM places and uh, happy to answer those questions too. But Tivly.com, T-I-V-L-Y.com, T-I-V-L-Y.com. Go to Tivly. And um, is it okay if people want to connect with either of you on LinkedIn? Is that cool? Absolutely. Please go and connect. Love to you. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Please awesome. do. Yeah. Awesome. Well, hey, hey thanks, brother. Thank you guys. Look, yeah, looking forward to crushing 2023 and, and being a partner with you guys. And I wish you nothing but the best. Yes, sir. Good day. Same to you. Let's do it. Thanks. Yes.